Welcome to Chop Greens. I am your host, Philip Amrine, joined by the one, the only, Gareth Boucher. Now, you're not going to be able to, maybe, hopefully, hopefully, you're not able to tell this as, yes, you, the audience member, are able to listen on as me and Gary discuss our next enticing and exciting and thrilling film. But we have some new tech today, and, and it's very exciting for both me and Gary uh, again, you should not be able to hear any difference, but but what it does offer us is a couple more exciting opportunities and things upon which we can outreach with this uh, podcast, as it were. Gary, how are you? How excited are you? And did you notice that you and me have the same length of hair on our face? Do we really? What? No, no, no we don't. Not really. I mean, I mean y- y- you could possibly most likely catch up to me in like a week, but... Right. Um, so I need you, you to know, shave your face again is what I'm saying. Never again. Never that again. was a one-time COVID, <laughs> COVID thing, man. But I'm happy to be here. I'm rested. Happy that my week is over. Yeah. It was a rough one. I, oh, I yeah? considered taking one of those good old fake sick days. Yeah, I didn't no, realize how much sick day. time I had. Well, no, <laughs> like like a real. Fun. I I I can respect the mental health day. I'm talking more of like a play my PS5 because I don't want to work day. Ooh. You know, because I just found out I have all these sick hours. I didn't realize that the wonderful state of Arizona has given me. Um, and I do have this shiny new game system, but I stuck it out like a good American. Yes. And here we are. Like a great American. That's All right. right. We're going to have a long podcast here, so I might, we might as well get into it now. Uh, we watched this week Promising Young Woman, one of the contenders for Best Picture of the Oscar, a couple other nominees, I believe, Carrie Mulligan, who stars as the titular role of, um, well, not the, well, her... She stars as the main person in here, and she is the promising young woman that the that one of the two, I suppose, that uh, that the film title suggests. Uh, Carrie Mulligan. She plays Cassandra, and she she is up for best actress as well on the Oscar nomination tour. Uh, as well as some other nominations uh, that it it uh, is nominated for uh, three others as well, as a matter of fact. Uh, wow, what a film. Yeah. Did you watch it? When did you watch it, Gary? I'm curious. I watched it right when I woke up this morning. I feel like that's oh, what wow. my mind is. I woke up at 6, took my dog out, made some coffee, and I watched it. I just feel like my mind is actually the most active uh, really early in the morning. It's when I like to get my, my writing done, you know? So fresh, about six hours ago, I, I watched it, and, um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, we've got it nominated for picture director, original screenplay, actress, and film editing. A few, Two of those, I think, it, it probably could win. Right. It yeah. is It is definitely... I, I think that this isn't giving much away, but it is certainly... One of, if not the most thought-provoking films of the year that I've seen this year, that there's no doubt about that. It it entails that in spades. Um, but at at the same time, I must admit, I feel that this is one of, if not the most dangerous reviews you and me face. Being two men reviewing this film, and and, and <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you, yeah. uh, it, it does it does scare me a little bit. It does put me up at a little bit more of a of an awareness. 
And, uh, man, it goes so many different ways. Why would you be scared if you have nothing to be scared of? I get it. Um, uh, all, there's that as well. But I, I think that there is a certain amount of respect and awareness and and everything else that you need to have coming into this film. And especially with the subject matter that, one, is rarely often discussed yet discussed in this film. And two... Uh, with the subject matter, this one that this film extends to the ex- to the extent that I have yet to have ever seen in some other films, or at least, at the very least, coagulated all into one film like this. So, promising young woman. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting podcast in that we are going to have so many off discussions that may not that may be sprung by the film but not have to do with the film directly so if we don't look at the fodder the mental fodder that this film provides um i think if we're looking at just specifically film features uh isolated to the film itself gary I think one positive that I want to that I want to highlight that I think works really well for this film. It's not the only one. It's just where I want to start. Um, the vibrancy and color scheme of this film is very strong. It's very it's very poignant. It's very much there. You can it, I, I I'd say it's almost like uh, like an '80s film where it's very vibrant, very almost neon, but yet sometimes it meets 50s. Either way, it continues to be, and always is, very colorful and popping off the screen. Would you not agree, Gary? Yeah, this is what I care a lot wanted to be in terms of its vibe. You know, remember that movie from a few weeks ago also has a sociopathic woman as its main character, both very interesting, enigmatic characters, right? But as far as the um, technical stuff goes... um, the kind of dubstep type music. Um, they have this amazing cover of uh, Toxic by Britney Spears there. I don't know if you noticed that towards I the end. I did. I Ooh. did. That, now what a that, creative choice. That was it, great. Because when you hear it, it, it's very eerie. It takes like two minutes for you to realize, like, Absolutely. oh, think oh, of think, to Toxic. Yes. Think of Us, where they, uh, for, at least for the trailer, where they uh, they did a creepy version of I Got Five on it. Where it's a creepy version of the song that you never knew you wanted and needed, and now that you have available in your life, it's very cool and will be a staple. I guarantee you will be a staple in my Halloween playlists moving forward. Anyway. And none of it feels gimmicky. Like with I Care A Lot, it was like, we want you to look at this and feel this sleek, uh, stylized vibe. And like, I I guess it works, but with this movie, it just, the whole movie kind of sings like that. And it feels very natural. It's it's really appealing, man. And it's a really fun movie. It's also dealing with some really serious stuff, but it's, um, you know, presented in like a really stylized way, which makes it more of what I like to call a movie. Oh, that's a movie. You know, when we have, you, you, I, I, I am all about like the indie realism, like we watched last week in Nomadland, but I love a, a freaking movie. You know, give me some sound effects, give me a style. I, I love what this movie did in terms of, you know, tech specs. Yeah, and, and to continue going on with those images that we see and that we find, um, even when we start out, there's there's a fair amount of symbolism found within this film in not in subtle and over the head hit you with it with the hammer types of ways. Um, one nice vision of symbolism 
is when she's walking back from the introductory scene, uh, the, the well, the introductory moments that we find her in. Uh, Great opening, by yeah. the way. One of the best openings in quite a while. Yeah, think of uh, well, think of think of that. It's uh, she's walking back and she has this this hot dog and. Not only is she having a hot dog, which which offers a lot of sim- symbolism with, with all that it entails, but on top of that, she has ketchup, and to symbolize the blood spilt that she's more than comfortable uh, handling herself, uh, smeared all over her, and she's ready to get her hands dirty. Uh, so there's a lot of that. Um, great, great in that, in that uh, regard. Um, let me think. Okay. Oh, it's so so hard on where to transition next to. I think I think one Let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I was I mean with with that, I think that that's a good jumping off point into what I love about the movie. One of the main things is that it it lets you fill in the gaps. It doesn't tell you anything really about her or really about what she does or anything else. Um you you're left to kind of fill it all in. Um, there are a lot of things that are left open-ended. And in, in the beginning of, of the film, I mean, you never once see her murder a guy, but we're left to infer blue check marks, red check marks in her book. Um, you know, y- you just get little bits and pieces from the other characters about how she was in the past. Um, and that all makes it so much better with uh, Carrie Mulligan doing her, her thing. I mean, she is just... On another level. So you yeah. took that to be that she kills people. I think that the the red dashes she, I does something more nefarious too because obviously when she has the scene with Fogel, Christopher yes, Mintz Plassey, yeah. she lets him live. She didn't do anything. She leaves and she she checks off a blue mark in her book. But which some by, of the names which by are the red. way. When he kisses her on the nose, that was, was like the Fogel. most horrifying nose kiss I've <laughs> ever seen. That was something out of a horror film right She's there. She's got, I mean, the the male cringe in this movie is great. And it's it's like satire, but I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of guys who are like that right it comes from right? a place of truth it does it, it it's, yeah it's it's very much and we'll we'll talk about this later but it's very much killing a cockroach with a metal bat that's that's what a lot of the symbolism and a lot of the messaging does uh, throughout the entirety of the film it certainly makes a, a it uses exaggeration which can either be complete exaggeration or probably less than what we hope it would be to make a finer point and to really hit the nail home because for those people that because subtlety has not worked in the past i suppose is it, it, it does it in a lot better of a way though than once again the i care a lot with the, if you dare speak to me like that i will rip your balls off it's like i care a lot meant well and it did pretty well with like it's it's feminist message but this movie is somehow even a little bit more over the top but Right. Less on the nose with with that stuff, and I think it makes the message a lot more powerful of this movie. See, uh, I, I just want to get back to that since it's actually part of the film. But that's interesting that you got killing out of it, because I actually, you're right, you're right, uh, you're absolutely correct. A lot of the film does let you fill in the blanks. That's great. That's fine. Um, but I'll be honest, I didn't necessarily get killing, because part of the reason why is when she first starts out and she has a red check mark. 
Um, later on in the film, she's she's introduced and found by a character who says, "Oh, you're the one Jerry was talking about." So I took and that it's to that same guy, yeah. But yeah. it's like there's got to be some kind of differentiation there, right? Because well, I I understand, and that's that's actually yeah. a note that I have that I did not like about the film is that yes, it it doesn't. It's such a fine line. I get it. Where in a film. You don't want to baby the audience. You really don't. Uh, it, sometimes subtlety and nuance allows you just to make a finer point because if uh, if the audience members are left to find it on their own, it's a much more rewarding experience for the viewer, for the filmmaker, for the actors, everybody. Because whenever you start babying stuff and, and cramming it down their throat, it, it starts to feel inauthentic that otherwise might have been found organically. But in this film... Uh, I, I, one of my biggest problems was I was, I thought that what the different things meant was to the different scale that the men went forward with. I, that's what I took it to mean. Um, you know what? That's now that I think about it, because she did mention with Vogel, oh, you made sure I was yeah, awake get, before you started touching. Okay, yeah, you get you're probably it. right. In my mind, I'm like, Not, I really hope that Carrie Mulligan was killing people in the streets, and she was her own version of Jack the Ripper. Because right. I just, I just like that. <laughs> no, no, I understand, and I actually, I, that's part of what my. Problem I think is you're probably right, film. though. Yeah, yeah, because I would have, I think I would have enjoyed seeing that there were different punishments for different forms of sin or different forms of what was going on and i thought maybe if she does that maybe she becomes a true anti-hero as as, as instead right now she's probably labeled as a muddied anti-hero where she she is probably by all definitions an anti-hero of some sort i think i that's what i kind of th- i believe was she intended. i mean I, I, but you know that she is because of the the tragic ending sure you know because she didn't ever redeem herself i mean she was going to tie this guy get this guy down and carve into his stomach and then she dies because of it and typically when you have an anti-hero like they they if they don't learn their lesson they gotta go almost yeah. always you know yeah, yeah, uh, and that's man, so much, uh, so much to get through here. Um, uh, as well as one last thing, while we're on the topic, um, I assume, I assume that the that the hair tie that she had around her hand any time that she moved to make a note in her journal was uh, her friends. And not her own, and that's what the symbolism we were supposed to take away from it was. I'm not sure, I'm not 100 percent sure, because it never fully addresses it. Um, and that that see that's the difference between the two. I wish I had more detail on the journal, and the other one I was fine with not hearing the full direction. I I saw from the actor's point of view that it it obviously had a lot of symbolism, a lot of meaning, and I think from that you can derive what you will from it. That's something that did need to be discussed. What did need to be discussed was it, what was written in the journal. Um, so whenever she keeps a list, the beginning, I don't know that I would state that to be Gary, just for me personally, from everything I've seen, one of the best openings ever, only because it felt somewhat unrewarding. Yes, it left you on a cliff at the end of there where, did she kill him or did she not? And then, but by the time it pays that off in the later film, it actually makes it seem unsatisfying to be completely honest with you. I don't think ever, ever, but I, I, I think it was recently for me being what you're saying, but you know, positive in in my opinion, mainly because when Carrie Mulligan finally like 
you know, flips that switch and sits up and goes, what are you doing? Like in her deep, scary, yeah. scary voice. Um, I, we've had like four or five minutes of buildup. It looks really cool. You're like, what are we doing? You feel generally uncomfortable. And then she says that for me, it's like a stomach drop. Um, and oh. then we get the duh, 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 opening credit. She's eating the hot dog. I was like, shoot, I'm in. That was great. Ooh. I do think that next encounter with Fogel is what you're saying right now. I felt a little bit like that one could have been heightened because we already got this great opening and then the next one was yeah I, and it soured the beginning for me as well really it was very deflating because there felt like no stakes once once you find out the the interaction with fogel which we really should what's what's his name i i let me find out christopher mince Plossy. yes you're right yes um there's a whole I, I mean he's fogel yeah yeah there's a whole watch <laughs> mojo on him where it's like what happened to him anyways um Yes, all three men were psychos, which is a discovery in and of itself. Um, yes, it was incredibly uncomfortable. But the resolution to that is because at that moment, uh, Carrie Mulligan's character, Cassie, Cassandra, is very much a redeemable character. She's very much, since we don't know anything about what she's doing, at that moment in time, she's probably the most, the most justified in whatever action she were to take. So... If that's the case, if you're going to muddy her thing, maybe that would have been a narrative to talk about where, oh, she she goes above and beyond, almost like, I don't know, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, where she justifies um, the horrors and atrocities that were put upon her and placed upon her by um, making mental marks or, you know, even if it was to go around and be, like you said, Jack the Ripper moment. It just feels completely deflating when the punishment is... Oh, see, I'm completely, I'm completely sober. Uh, this is a scary moment for you. It didn't feel, yeah, it didn't nothing, feel, it didn't ring through. It didn't ring true and ring through. It doesn't start to do that until there's like real consequences like later on in the movie when she goes to visit the Dean, obviously the stuff with, um, yeah. with Bo Burnham, with Ryan. And I think there's, there's like one other situation or i guess like the the allison brie her old friend thing yeah that was when she starts to really be like manipulative and, and hurt people and really screw with them like when she makes allison brie think that she was possibly date raped yeah. that's like dang you're right i mean if we would have had that with at least one of those two guys in the beginning would have been a stronger first 20 minutes for me they really missed the opportunity with her second encounter with with fogel yeah um perfect blowjob lips Needs to be tatted on someone's <laughs> elbow. That's one of the takeaways I had from you because it was just too good. Um, the chemistry between the two romantic interests, Bo Burnham and um, Bo Burnham and Carrie Mulligan, Weird is actually quite and good. good. But like, quite I would have good. never. I mean, we just watched the dig. You know, Carrie Mulligan is this yeah. prestigious British actress. You know, she's married to Marcus Mumford. Totally, and then Bo Burnham is. I, I, I love him. I've loved to stand up for like a while, but he's Bo Burnham. <laughs> when he walked into this movie, I was like... That's so funny. I had no previous was... interaction with him. I, Yo, have you never watched a Bo Burnham? Never never seen Bo Burnham. Never seen you should go watch um, Make Happy. I'll go ahead and just uh, drop that out there. Okay. But he uh, he's actually perfect casting because he's is the ultimate nice guy. Like, it just his whole vibe. You're like, oh, he's, he's a nice guy you know if you're tired of dating douchebags you want a guy like bo burnham and then of course when the downfall happens it's even worse sure. because he's so quirky yeah let's so, let's use that to transition into the yeah. acting i suppose i think bo burnham's downfall at the end and how it's written actually is a, is it does not do a good job for his acting 
Um, I don't know whether or not it's just a, a, a figure of since all men in this in this film are caricatures of of themselves, are stereotypes, and uh, that's going to be its own discussion. But since he somewhat devolves into that, and he has to give into that at the end, I and I saw loads of good acting to begin with, I'm going to put that more so on the writing and perhaps direction of the film on why he breaks down as an actor the further on, well, honestly, the moment we we see him and her butt heads and he has to come to resolution of what he's done, the sins of his past, once that happens, I think... Uh, I, I would blame outside sources as to why his acting is no longer as good um, because you have to abruptly cut off the chemistry felt between the two leads. Um, See, I, I I think Carrie has the ability to do that, but for, for me, Bo was great in the moments where he could be funny, but, I mean, everything after that, when it starts to turn, I just didn't think that he had it in him. I think he... I mean, that's my main drawback from the movie is Carrie Mulligan outacts everybody to the point yeah. where it's it's like silly you know yeah. and and bo burnham is um is great but in that scene in the hospital i'm like oh my god imagine if we had some 30 percent better actor to really sell that moment um right so I, I i pinpoint the issue but for me i i put on the actor himself with nothing but love for this man yeah. i mean eighth grade was one of the best movies i've seen for oh, a while yeah. but that he just really uh he, he just couldn't hang with her Really, the only person who really hangs with her and on a on a performance level is I've Al- got two. Oh, really? Um, let me think. Allison Brie, Allison Brie, hands down. Allison Brie owns the moments that she's on film. I, it's really quite fantastic because yeah, I don't. think... She's always welcome. Yeah, she she wasn't given much to work off of. I remember looking back on this, I was like, well, maybe she was just given a juicy. No, there's not actually that much, but she darn near owns everything that she's on 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 film for and i was i was quite impressed by the performance that she put forward the emotional wreck that she allowed herself to to devolve into quite good um who else were you going to put on on her per on her level for her five minutes connie Britton, the dean of the college i love connie Britton. um she was the one who Carrie Mulligan, uh, quote unquote, kidnapped her daughter and told her that she had, you know, dragged her to the dorm room with all those boys. And, you know, Connie's a just a actress's actress. She she's great. She comes in, she delivers for five minutes, um, and it's you know, I guess it's <laughs> online with the message of the film that the the only really really good actors in the film they're all women. all women. Of yeah. of course, we've got Mr. Schmidt from New Girl making a cameo yes. and i've never seen new girl but from what i've heard about him he's just playing his own character some yeah womanizer right um otherwise yeah all the men like you said they're essentially symbols caricatures of you know the movement which leaves us carrie mulligan and i i think this is the first of the landmines that we will need to navigate through because carrie mulligan uh had a review written uh uh i guess against her for, for instance, in Variety. And there was a bit of controversy surrounding that review where the the, the critique and reviewer uh, said, had defended himself uh, and then afterwards even had to apologize after that, um, where it revolved around the idea where she wasn't uh, attractive enough or it was suggested that she wasn't attractive enough to play this role. 
I completely disagree with that that summation. I think she's plenty attractive. Um, not that that matters really, um, but I did not. I I completely bought her her attraction in this role far and away. I did, however, find it hard. And again, I'm just. Uh, for whatever it's worth, I'm. I man, this is it, it's very dangerous to be going out here. But I, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't think she fit. She looks older than than the the character seems to deem. I, I don't think she fits age wise and how she looks age wise specifically. I don't think she fits the first third of this film. Uh, the rest of the film perfectly fine. Continue going on, great. The first third of this film, age-wise, I don't think she fits the type that what this film was going for. Uh, it, it just, I, I don't buy her being uh, whatever it, whatever uh, age she's trying to play. That that's just that just was me, and I, I didn't believe that <laughs> when the film's called Promising Young Woman, I was like, well, uh, sh- oh, um, okay, uh, I guess that that's that's uh, uh, there. Uh, Again, attraction was never a question. Again, nor does it matter. But for age, that was my biggest discrepancy with Carrie Mulligan uh, as as a whole, as an entity unto herself. Yeah, that's interesting, man. I I didn't think about it. I thought about it to myself as the movie. I was like, is I mean, she's obviously you know she's thirty five in real life. Character is twenty nine, turning into thirty halfway in the movie. But it it, it didn't get to me at all. Um, maybe because. It's, you, you know, it's presented as you know she's out of she's been out of college for a while, and that weird Facebook thing where you reconnect with your college friends, yada yada yada. So she um, she didn't look markedly old for me. Also, she's got so much um, of that grief and stress, and I, that's kind of the the unwritten book of the movie. The fact that really underneath all of this is just like eight years of of grief from what happened to her. Um, Part of that, like she seems, you know, she looks, I guess, stressed, or you could say older than the other people. But for me, you could fill that in with being like, she's been doing this for for years and years and years. So that didn't get to me. I I can't believe that somebody would write that she wasn't hot enough to yeah, be in the movie. Was, That's just uh, like it wasn't directly written. It was very heavily implied. Yeah, I went through and I, I read. He was like, well, Margot Robbie produced the movie and yeah, perhaps she One could imagine her being, yeah, I was, uh, uh, And even, I mean, even if, if, if Carrie Mulligan's maybe a, a few years out of what might have made the movie more interesting, if it was like a 25-year-old, well, not, still... Not, not a matter of interesting. Like I said, it doesn't actually take away... It doesn't take away from me buying her. Like, how do I put this? So whenever we watched an earlier version of this, uh, uh, earlier films on this, where George Clooney played a character, and then whenever we went to a flashback, it actually wasn't George Clooney playing a younger version of himself. It was somebody else. I'd be, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'm one of the few people probably remaining that is fine with that because I think we've gotten so heavy-handed with the CGI and, and face morphings and going to Star Wars and having full-on... CGI representations of people. I I'm fine with as long as you can establish and tell me, hey, this is who this is supposed to be. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, you know what, I I I'm fine with giving another actor another shot. And and as long as it's somebody who, gener <laughs> can look like them, can at least vie and look like them. I'm fine with that. But uh, so I don't think it took away from her performance overall whatsoever. It's not really her fault. Like I I I think she. She embodied the character tremendously well. Definitely worth and a nominated, a nomination worthy performance. No doubt about it. It's just a matter of 
I, 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 based on its on the the film and how and how the the age variance that she was supposed to to go through, I think she's, she, I think that she skewed an older age, and I think it works in the dig where she looks much more at comfort and peace in that period drama and playing an older woman than in here where she's supposed to have some age versatility where she can play the 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 costume and and uh makeup designer who has who goes around with the boy bands just as much as she can play uh, a nurse stripper for a for a honey uh, for a bachelor party just as much as she can play um I don't know the the just regular person that she is versus the the doctor that she can also portray later on in the film. Yeah, I I, I get where you're coming from. I suppose for me, it, whatever drawbacks there might be from that, I think that she just did so good, especially as the movie went on. Um, she got to you know kind of unlock the character and and do more and more and more on screen so that mm, wrapped up anything for me i think actually out of the two best actress performances that we've watched in the last week you know nomad land and this one i i like this one better i think that francis probably has a better chance to win because she's francis mcdormand it's a little bit more of an oscar type movie and she's great but they're they're way different and in this one it's really subtle. The character is really quiet, but um, the small moments of vulnerability that she has are great. And the writing's not all that great, or at least for dialogue. Um, it's you don't think re- so? Yeah, I, I don't think it's all that great. So I think that she, the fact that she does such a tremendous job, I think, uh, really outlines and highlights what she was, uh, what she was able to do as an actress. Yeah, and like eight. 80% of Bo Burnham's lines, I would assume Bo Burnham was just being himself. <laughs> That's uh, he, He's just doing a, a stand-up oh, yeah. act yeah, through, through half that movie. I, I guess with writing, uh, dialogue didn't stick out to me as excellent or terrible. I think that... No, no, the, no, not terrible. But. Yeah. The, the, the high concept in general, though, once again, I'm jealous. I wish I could have come up with and written this movie. I, I couldn't because I'm a man, probably wouldn't do it right. But um, a perfect director and, and writer for this, though. Yeah, so many notes on this film. I the, I don't know about you, but I this is one of the highest written amount of notes I've I've written in a film at least since we've come back. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of the details that they had in it, um, such as we knew we know that since she's a she she's very smart. Um, she's a, a even though she did drop out of college, she was at the top of her class, and she's used to be a doctor. So there's a lot of surgical precision there that's allowable and believable because they were able to create such a fine backstory for her. I, I really did enjoy that. Um, I, I, I think that it's it's sneaky good, like we talked about in the very beginning, sneaky good production design. Sure. It wasn't nominated for it, but um, like her parents' house and the club and her outfits, I, I was thinking to myself, like I feel like Carrie Mulligan's outfits could spawn a new fashion genre <laughs> here because she's popping in every scene like whatever she's wearing at work or oh man she's just the the outfits are are killer great costume design yeah absolutely i mean um to a certain point uh eve especially like in the near the end of what the first third of the movie is before we get to any of the ones twos threes fours um i guess we start out with two technically the whole beginning's one I i i think we're led to believe um i'm intrigued but at the same time somewhat lost uh, which which I think is probably what was desired, if nothing else, where you don't know all the details. By the end, you don't know 
until you get to the end that you're not supposed to fully know all the details. You're kind of supposed to left to figure everything out yourself at some point. But uh, but uh, it was a little unnerving to be so lost and, and frustrating at times. But again, you're still intrigued. You're still sticking around for sure. Think about like the the four best scenes of this movie, I think, are ones where people are essentially sitting and talking or standing and talking. Yeah. Essentially, every time she drops a bomb on somebody in in conversation, um, and then the entire ending sequence from when she, I, I mean, really when she drops the nugget on Ryan on Bo Burnham, and then goes to the bachelor party, right, and then dies. That is a, a terrific fifteen minutes. By the way, that 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 death scene, um, I I love the way it was filmed. Just cut yeah. off the sound. Don't don't cut at all like two uncut minutes of like just the slow suffocation oof and then they have schmidt come in and cradle this guy as he cries oh my god it's um yeah th- th- that almost end of the movie is the strongest part for me um for sure but most of it consists of her talking to people yeah saying, i think that- i know something yeah, I think that that part of the movie really nails down the idea, and it and it helped sell it to me as a finality, where it, it both nails down the idea that all men are caricatures, and as we see earlier in the film, um, the only ones who aren't, the only one who isn't a caricature, is the former lawyer, and even he, he's the reason why he's quote unquote normal in order to feel normal and seem normal. He had to have had what they they describe as a psychotic breakdown. <laughs> he had to have a mental thing where he he couldn't forgive himself. And in order to feel just normal empathy, normal way, and to come into the, the to a female's world, who's who at least even though yes she may seem crazy, we at least she seems level headed. She seems there. She seems fully cognizant of everything that's going around her. The only person who seems normal besides Bo Burnham for the majority of the film. Uh, the only one who who comes across as normal and doesn't have um, doesn't have this caricature of of a, of a man, quote unquote, is the former lawyer, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that 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 it helped yeah, sell the whole what? idea of all men fall into this category, and and I love that message of and the ones who aren't are seen as crazy or special, but in order in this particular uh, sense. The the one who uh, the one who's crazy as a lawyer. I should have given a shout out to Alfred Molina because yeah. um, he he was actually great. And it's it's up with the message of the film, right? Because he was the only person who actually admitted what he did wrong and like apologized for it. It's yeah. it's dude, almost as simple she, as that, man. Yeah. What did she have? What did she have planned for him? Did you see that? I was like, ah. ah. She was she was like gonna. I don't know. That I don't was know. Scary. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Is he see? Is- this is what I'm saying. We can fill in these little blanks, man. That's what's great about this movie. She shows up. It's like a freaking gangster movie. He's like, "Are you here to kill me?" Yep. Yeah, I think I want that. Yeah. Uh, I going back one act because we talked about the lawyer. When we talk about that, the Dean character. That was the first time that I, I think you really get to explored the idea of this person being an anti-hero justified perhaps understandable definitely but doesn't mean that it still comes across as possibly an anti-hero where do the ends justify the means 
does one wrong deserve another does uh, all this all these ideologies and and it makes me wonder whether or not uh if if these actions somewhat watered down the film's message uh and we can explore that where i feel like between the dean instance and the ending it really serves to have if nothing else a clustered ending and a clustered feeling about this character where again you understand all the context of the character and you can certainly understand why she was motivated to do what she does but because she does what she does um whether it be with the dean instance where she she makes somebody else's daughter somebody else's child feel uh, go through that even though she never does to make the the parent feel like she would and then on top of that um that she was going to physically uh, cauterize and and do all whatever atrocities mark the other the the guy for for what he did to her um for what he for what he did to Nina rather it leads to a a discussion where does it does it muddy up the message and muddy up the the messenger if you have such a flawed protagonist I don't I don't think it does but I think it can um and this situation though it's 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 dicey because I think that there there are so many narratives where it's like the male is going for redemption or we have an anti-hero they probably get a little bit longer of a leash of course it's case by case right depends on the character but you know this is it's it's a female driven story I think that that there's two things going on here like she obviously like the best part the best way that the story goes is the people who did the wrong thing get the cops called on them and they go to jail for what they did and you know they their world comes crashing down that's and justice she could have gone about it that way and not try to come and torture anybody that's you know overall message of the movie right there but what the character herself could or couldn't do was overcome her grief right because she goes to nina's mom and nina's mom even says dude you got to get over it you know and i mean uh, her, her parents themselves you know her mom and dad say we loved her but we miss you and then yeah nina's mom says look you you gotta stop doing this to yourself and that's where the character couldn't you know she does the right thing by just handing in the tape and getting everyone killed, but she couldn't overcome her own need to have one last hurrah yeah, and be do that for the herself. Helm. The reason, yeah, she's. That just I mean, she's obviously like mentally ill, um, and a little bit sociopathic. The way that she messes with people, right? And so that's something that, that the character herself has to deal with and can't in the end. But the message, I think, rings true. I think. It's it's again one of the movies with that overall theme that you can take from it if you want to is it really sucks to be a woman you know oh, she's yeah. she's just in this this tough place and I was wanting her to freaking carve into that guy at one point I'm like yeah I mean he raped your friend on video and I and she gets killed and totally justified as well so see that's interesting because yeah. I I was fortunate enough to watch with with um, someone uh, a, a woman and. That was probably the most heavily discussed point right after. Um, we didn't go through the entire thing, but obviously what screams to be discussed is is that moment. And I 
again, I just, I more so wanted to come at it as an understanding. And, um, she, she felt it was completely justified and she should, like, almost should have just continued to carve him. Whereas I, I fell on the topic of, does, is he a complete bonehead? Yes. Is he a complete, just, just evil, just evil incarnate? Yes. Does he deserve to go to jail? Absolutely. Does he deserve to drop the soap and, and become somebody's little, little daughter or something in jail? Absolutely. Continue to have him suffer for the entirety of, of life. I mean, all, everything bestowed upon him. But the moment you take justice into your own hands and the moment you are dishing out that justice, especially when it's physical, when it's something that you are like, it's not it's one thing to do the Dean thing where nothing came of it and you knew in the end it would be all right. It was just proving a point. I was like, oh, man, that is so evil. But at the same time, okay, uh, I, I guess since it was nothing at the end of it, I can kind of stomach that. But at the end, when you're actually going to mark somebody up and scar them and everything else, I, it's hard for me to get behind that when we're being in a, in a world of realism. Like if it's Batman v Superman and he's marking people with his bat, batarang. Okay, I mean, that's kind of cool because we're in a living in a different set of world, different set of standards. But whenever it's in a real world setting and she's going around and she's going to like <laughs> freaking surgically carve his name into it, there could be, I don't know, maybe she pops off a knee for the like of it I, I because she has him where she wants him I really don't know what she was going to do um, but I, I feel like that just it that was such an interesting discussion to where what deserves to be what what is what is deserved and I thought it really yeah. muddies the point both to have as a discussion to have as a as a as a victim uh, whenever you take justice into your own hands and of course maybe that's part of why she she died in the in the film why they yeah, had to write I mean, it like that's, that way yeah i mean or you could have gone the, the total opposite route and have her you know triumphantly walk away right but that's that's why there's a genre of movies called you know the rape revenge thriller right there yeah. and it's because you know she tried to go through the system this guy was tried in court and everything and still nothing happened of course she didn't have to try to you know physically hurt him right but how many people have we said like oh if you were to rape my daughter i would like saw off your arms and legs and boil you alive like that's i mean totally part of the the culture around it like if you were to lay a hand on my sister my son whatever i would i i would kill you myself i think that's why it's like well it's not like he defrauded investors he raped her sister essentially so the emotion and the grief that comes behind that for a lot of people, especially for someone who's already broken is too much to overcome. Right. And that's why I liked that they had her do that. Also, I like that she died because oh, the character yeah. has to die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was certainly, it, it came across as sudden and surprising, but it certainly was justified. And I think the film's ending was it's better nice though. that. You know what though? Because we talked about in the beginning, she doesn't actually do anything. So it's nice when she finally is, going to do something you know it gets a little bit real there um so there's a little flip payoff there even though it could have been different in the beginning but that was nice yeah uh, i'm just glad that they explored that the deep level of grief that if you allow yourself to go they they really explored a, a couple of tunnels that it happens that not only it you lose yourself and you lose what happened to you with with her dropping out of college and and unable to get out of her parents' house and to have the crappy job that she had no intention of ever having. But you also lose 
the people around you lose you as well. Uh, that there's that that relationship as well. Like the parents you mentioned this said, we missed you. That was that was something that grief not only affects you, it affects the other people around you. And that was that was kind of cool to to see a representation. Yeah, of because she she's got this beautiful loving support system, and she pulled back and she's thirty, but it's like she's this weirdo high schooler living at home, right? So right. I mean, it affects her relationship with her boss. With everybody, she's got no friends. Her entire being has been consumed by poetic justice to men, you know. Yeah. Uh, all right, quick hits. Now that we're we are <laughs> way overdue on this. Um, yeah, we could probably talk about this for like another hour. Yeah, you know? it's really I, I. It's one of the biggest amounts of notes that I've had on a film for a while. It's really a conversation starter for so many different layers of things that I. It almost feels an injustice to to put this where it is. Um, Okay, uh, quick hitters. Uh, uh, when she explains, I, I wondered what this would be because whenever she has to explain, she has to, in the context of the film, she has to explain why she was going off with another guy. I felt like if, if it was me, and maybe it's probably best that they didn't go to that whole thing because it would have just been a non-ending spiral. But whenever she explains what was going on, why she was doing it, in order to feel justified and why he would take her back, that's got to be a warning sign, right? Like, okay, so, like, why did you go off with him? Well, because I do this thing on the weekends where I, you know. Oh, I don't think that she did explain it to him. No, I don't I think, think she it, did either, but I'm still saying. Yeah. If it were more one more iota of realism than we, oh. then we and she does have to explain, that's got to be just a, a, the biggest of warning signs out there, right? Um, yeah, the love song between her and Bo Burnham from, like, the Paris Hilton song, that eventually got me. At first, it wasn't working for me, and then eventually I was like, all right, geez, Louise, you finally got me in. Okay, let me take At me. that moment, I, I knew I was like, is, I, I, I was either Bo was going to catch her killing someone or Bo was going to be, like, the worst person ever, and it turned out to be Yeah, because they the had latter. to justify just how much it would how much it would hurt. Um, There were like about three different times in this film where I thought to myself, wait, there's more? Uh, It paid off. The last one being the biggest of the reaches, but uh, each and every time I was like, wait, there's more? Uh, It wasn't necessarily a bad thing because as the film got on, I was like, okay, cool. Wait, there's more? Oh, okay, cool. The last one was a bit of a, wait, there's more? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, But... Uh, I thought that that was interesting that even halfway through the film I was oh wow it felt it felt like a lot had happened um, why do you think that she knew she was going to die though well of course I mean, well she thought that there was a chance at the very least did she go in thinking yeah. that she might maybe because I don't know why she never it's, it's mean, kind of like that blind running into battle with your knowing that there's a 90% chance you're going to die but you're there for the cause man yeah it was glaring to me that she never even tied up his feet or anything because i that's where i thought that it was going to happen um that he would get her uh so to speak um quick note why does she park so far away from her own house that was that kept getting <laughs> me. and um that's that's all i got you got any quick hitters there gary you, you mentioned those notes right and usually when we watch a movie, I'm actively taking notes during the watch, but this one from the get-go actually engaged me so much that I forgot to open up my phone and write anything down during the movie at all. Um, and that's great. I mean, that's yeah. that's how I would watch a movie in a movie theater, obviously. I would sit there, and um, this movie was good enough to where I was on my couch, and it, it really took off. Um, and from end to end, it was very, very engaged. It's um, it, one of the 
best movies I've seen in the last year, but not on the level of some of the more recent ones. I mean, Judas still takes the cake. Um, yeah, was, but this one is definitely definitely worthy of the attention it's been getting. Um, a great. Uh, we have to shout out um, Emerald Fennell, the um, writer director. Who's she's the showrunner of, of Killing Eve, um, actress from The Crown, and she wrote and directed this. Um, just a terrific job by her. I mean, this is her first movie. You got to imagine she's really gonna take yeah. off if this is her first one. Certainly a movie. With a message, made with a message, intended to have a message, uh, more so than the story element, which is fine. Uh, but I, I, I true will say that I don't think that this was Oscar best film worthy. That's what I will say. I, I'm, I'm. You know what though? I'm happy that the Oscars are giving attention to just different types of movies than like period dramas. And talkie talkie talkies. I mean, we. I mean, I think that Get Out really made that a little bit more possible when it got all the attention that it did. Right. Because Promising Young Woman is deserving of a lot of people's attention. It's an important movie. It's got a good message. Great, great acting. I think overall, it's a really well done movie too. So I'm happy that it's at least going to get into the conversation. And then you know, last week I watched um, Minari, another Oscar movie. Didn't think it was all that excellent it was really really good though and also it's just a different type of movie i'm happy that they're allowing these types of movies to be nominated because then more people are going to watch them yeah all right um that is all for promising young woman for podcast this emeritus gary boucher who gives this a four and a half out of five by the way oh, that's right yeah drop I, that nugget there yeah i will go um i'll go four out of five hot dogs no you know what honestly uh I think I'm going to give it three out of five hot dogs just because, again, off of my own scale, it's something about do you want to rewatch it again? I don't really ever want to rewatch this again. But I would watch it with people. Um, I just wish that Bo Burnham was a, an all-time actor. Then it, it would really, I think, be excellent. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, three out of five for me. Um, and uh, I am Philip Amorine. Thank you so much for listening and uh, listening to this episode as well as the accompanying Gimme 5 episode with this. Of course, listen to all of our back catalog. We've got a couple other videos, a couple other Oscar-nominated videos in the in the backlog here to uh, for you to listen to as well as other Gimme 5s. Uh, we have a full-on category. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, kids, I made the sauce. 